if I were to ask you, if I were to go around and uh, just take a survey this morning and ask each of you, what do you think is, uh, what st uh, statistic or what thing could you point to would say that any church, let's not say just our church, but any church is a, is a really good church? I know that some people through the years I've said, well, if it's a big church, if they've got a really big membership, that's, that's an indication that it must be a good church. But I'm going to shoot that one down right now. I heard on the news a while ago of a church that burned to the ground, and they were interviewing the pastor afterwards, and the interviewer asked two pertinent questions. Uh, how big is your church? And he says, well, we have about 200 in worship, but we have 5,000 in membership. I'm saying there's something questionable there. If you've got 5,000 in membership, but only 200 showing up every Sunday. I think the strength of a church is here. The strength of a church is when the people of God are filled with the Spirit of God to do the work of God. John MacArthur said this, no local congregation will be what it should be, what Jesus prayed that it should be, what the Holy Spirit gifted and empowered it to be until it understands spiritual gifts. That's probably true. But I'd like to add one more thing to that thought as well. Not only when the church understands the spiritual gifts, but when every single one of you uses whatever gift that God has given to you to God's good uses in this church. It is one thing for me to understand that God has maybe gifted me with some gifts of pastoral ministry, but if I never used it, what good would it have done? Has God given you some gifts? And I, I believe with all my heart, I really do. I mean, I will argue this one. I did do debate my freshman year in college, so I would debate with you, and I would win this one because I've got all the facts. Every single person who is a Christian who has bowed their knee before the Lord Jesus Christ has at least one spiritual gift. Are you using it? I will win that argument every time. I'll tell you that. Okay. So if you say, I don't have any gifts for ministry, baloney. So I'm going to, you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3, and if you have your Bible, you might want to have it open. We're gonna, I'll, I'll probably have all the scriptures up here, but you might want to look at it in the version you've got in front of you, because I'm going to use different versions and see what some of the words say there um, and see where we're going with this. But the question I would want to ask you is this, is where do I fit? If I've got a gift and whatever, where do I fit in this thing called ministry? In chapter 2, verse 3, Paul asks this question, Are you not walking as mere men? Now, Paul always just uses the word men. Ladies, please don't feel excluded. You're in that group, okay? And I'm going to say, are we not walking? Are we not acting? Might be the word that I would, I would use if I were translating that verse. Aren't we just acting like everybody else? Paul is talking to the church, he's talking to you and me, and he's saying, are you just acting like everybody else on the outside, or have you been changed on the inside? Excuse me, I'm going to get a little agitated here at times, maybe over this. We'll see where we go. Uh, 
he says, you're just not acting like the church should act. Uh, the church is facing a credibility problem, I think, in the world today. It always has been. I don't think anything is any different than it's been for decades. Um, I got some facts from uh, Asbury Theological Seminary, and they did a survey of um, the mainline denominations. Not They did one of the evangelical, but let's just, just this, I just want to pull this piece out of the mainline denominations. And here's what they came up with. Of the people in the mainline denominations who they surveyed, 50% of them who sit in the seat every Sunday are not certain of their salvation. Look at the next one. 60% of them who are members seldom go to church. 70% of them give less than 1% of their income. That, that's a tragic figure, isn't it? It really is. 80% have absolutely no ministry within the congregation. 80% do not... Oh, I got, got, this is weird, guys. I don't know why this always looks good on my computer at home and why it goes a little crazy on the one here. Oh, well, whatever. 80% do not attend Sunday school or a small group. 90% have never been discipled or trained. Wow. That's by their own admission. That I find interesting. If someone on the, off the street were to walk into New Beginnings Church of the Nazarene this morning, would they find that you and I are any different in the way we act, think, love than they do? I know that you've heard me say this before. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is John 10.10. You know what it is, don't you? Yeah, I know most of you do. It's this. I am come that you might have life. But I want you to notice something. There's a comma there. It's on the other side too, okay? I am come that you might have life, comma, and have it more abundantly. What side of the comma are you living on? Just living? I am coming that you might have life. Okay, you're alive. Or you're having it to the full, as one of the other translations says. Where are you living? What side of the comma? Where are you in this whole thing? I've given this sermon a title. I've called it Three Kinds of People. And uh, I'm going to just go through them and see how what you think about it. These are the ones that... Paul has them right here in the scriptures. He lists three different types of people. He talks about the natural man. That's the person who's not a Christian. Look at the verse of scripture in chapter 2, verse 14. And I have it up there on the screen for you. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So what's the characteristics of uh, this natural man? Well, I'm going to say the first thing is he has no appreciation for spiritual things. He doesn't accept. He doesn't embrace. He doesn't acknowledge. He doesn't know. Okay, now just let me tell you something just for kind of fun. This is what I've been working on this thought all week long. And I was working on the sermon on Thursday, most almost all day long. And at 4 o'clock I was just tired of, of playing around. This hand gets miserable trying to type. Oh, man, does it hurt trying to type. I, can, I think I could almost pound nails easier than I can type with this stupid thing right now. But whatever. At about 4 o'clock, I went down into my workshop, and I put earbuds in, and I was Sirius XM, and I put the Beatles channel on. Now, 
It was really, 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 really interesting. There were two people, a guy and a gal, who were, you probably all remember the song, Beatles, one of their iconic songs, Strawberry Fields Forever. Well, of course, Strawberry Field is a real place. It was a mansion that was built around 1850 in Liverpool. John Lennon lived just over the back wall from this big, beautiful mansion. Around the turn of the 20th century, going to the 20th century, the family that owned it gave Strawberry Field to the Salvation Army. They opened it up as a residence for disadvantaged girls and later boys. And when John Lennon was a you know, little kid, he used to jump over the back wall and play with kids in the garden of Strawberry Field. Hence the song, and you can get pieces of it, you can figure that stuff out. Now here's where I'm going with this whole story, because there's ten times more to that stupid story as I'm listening to it for an hour. The two people who are there at Strawberry Field, which is now, oh my, I've lost the phrase, in this country, the Salvation Army would call it an ARC, an Adult Rehabilitation Center. Over there, they call it Fresh fresh Start, I think it is, over there. They take young adults who need help, disadvantaged in one way or another, and give them purpose, love, and bring them to Jesus Christ. As I am listening to these two totally secular people from the Beatles channel, interviewing somebody from the Salvation Army who is obviously a born-again Christian, loves the Lord with all of her heart, and is telling them about what they do in ministry there. These other two don't get it. The natural man does not accept, doesn't understand things. They just don't appreciate spiritual things. I'm working on this, and I go down and I listen to this. I say, thank you, Lord. You just showed me that what I was trying to write, yeah, it was right there in front of me. No appreciation for spiritual things. No comprehension for spiritual things. The reason the natural man cannot receive spiritual things is because there's something inside them that is dead. The Phillips translation of this, of this passage says it just doesn't even make sense to them. Isn't that interesting? Do you remember, was it back, I'll ask my mother, what was it, Mom, the 1980s or so that you were traveling with your in-laws and motorhomes and you had CB radios? What was that crazy phrase? Do you have your ears on? Meaning, are you listening? I think that the non-Christian here doesn't even have his ears on. He can't even hear. He doesn't know what's going on. It's just other to them. On Wednesday morning, I had the news on just for a very brief period of time, and I heard Timothy Cardinal Dolan of the Roman Catholic Cardinal of New York. I like listening to him. He makes sense to me. And he made this statement. It was kind of interesting to me. He was talking about Pope Benedict XVI, and he said he was so present with God that when he was with others, he was present with them. How about the spiritual man or woman? 
the spiritual one. In verse 15 and 16, he gives a, a couple of characteristics of who this person is and what they should be like, and got it up there for you as well. They are spiritually alive. We have access to everything God's spirit. How about that? We have access to everything God's spirit is doing and can't be judged by unscriptural, unspiritual critics. Isaiah's question, is there anyone around who knows God's spirit, anyone who knows what he is doing, has been answered. Christ knows, and we have Christ's spirit. So here are some of the characteristics of a spiritual person, a spiritual man or woman. The first thing is they're capable of discernment. Paul says they are able to understand, they're able to... The word that we've been using with the church board as we've been going through this process of selecting a new pastor, the overarching word is discernment. The DS has used it time and time and time and time again. Discernment. Paul doesn't say, Isaiah doesn't say, that the spiritual person knows everything. Doesn't say they're smarter than everybody else. It says, but they're able to discern what God wants. And they listen to God. Are you listening to the Lord? Are you listening to him and trying to find out what he wants? Now, I'm just going to give you these things in a really, and just really quick. They're going to go by in a heartbeat almost. A spiritual man or woman receives wisdom from four areas. First, he goes to his knees. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you. He won't resent you asking. Okay? So that's the first thing you do. You go to your knees. The second thing you do is you go to God's word. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for your commands are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your decrees. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. These are the things we do. We go to our knees, we go to the word, and now we go to the wise. We ask others who are maybe further down the spiritual road than we are. And we learn this, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. Go to our knees, go to the word, go to the wise, and then go to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things and is the helper to bring remembrance to us. People look, I believe, to those who we see as spiritual, and this is what really grabs me, and I think they're amazed at how they think and how they live. I think the, the word that Paul uses here, the natural man, the man who doesn't have Christ yet, is, is amazed at times. Come on, think about it, about maybe you have family members who aren't Christians. Do they look at you differently? about the way that you think and act and live. How about some of the, the people you work with? I hope they see a difference in you. They really should, and they should be amazed at it. We should be... Oh, well. So maybe questions you need to ask yourself. Do others express a desire for God when they're around me? Do I sense spiritual power at times that is greater than my own experience? 
Do I walk a higher road in this world? You know what I'm asking you is basically what Paul was asking the church of Corinth. Is there something different in your life than people out there? Is there a difference? Does the Bible and Christ's love for us help us to live any differently? So we've talked about the natural man and the spiritual man. Now I'm going to use a King James word. When I was a boy, and into my teenage years, it seems like every spring and autumn we had a revival service in the church. And the evangelista, who would always come in, it seems like back then there would always be one sermon at least where they would boom out a word that I haven't used in a while. Carnal. The King James Version uses this word in this passage. Brothers, I would not address you as spiritual. This is the NIV, but as worldly. The King James says, I would not address you as spiritual, but as carnal. This is talking to the church. This is talking to Christians. This is not talking to those outside. This is talking to you and me. I would not talk to address you as spiritual. You're in the church, but I'm not talking to you as spiritual. I'm talking to you as carnal, as worldly, as mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it yet. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are you not carnal? Are you not acting like mere men? Man, that, that's a sledgehammer. He is hitting the church really hard. I looked up a definition of carnality in the dictionary and was just blown away that this is what the dictionary said carnality is. Allowing the attributes and appetites of the flesh to be controlled by the human nature rather than the Spirit of God. Wow! That wasn't some theological book. That was Merriam-Webster. If you want to know what a carnal Christian looks like, read Romans chapter 7. For Paul talks about it there. He talks about the two natures within himself. He says, there are things I know I should do and I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Any of you ever been there? Been there yesterday? Been there this morning? The carnal Christian. A major characteristic of the carnal Christian is immaturity. Paul calls them babes in Christ there in verse 1. Um, who likes babies? If you, if you don't, there's something wrong with you, right? I, I, in my opinion, okay, I'll just we can talk about that one later. But we all love babies. There is so much joy in the maternity ward, isn't there? New life is coming in, and we send congratulations to people. We hear about birth announcements, and we go, yay, there's going to be another baby coming. 
Babies are great. But you know something? Changing diapers for a few months is okay. Uh, you two back there as grandparents, you're going to get that really soon, okay? Getting up in the middle of the night for a few months is okay. What happened? My screens just went blank. Oh, here they come. Okay. Uh, all of that stuff is okay. But if in the maternity ward, on the moments after that baby is born, and the obstetrician comes and says, congratulations, you've got a little baby, you're going to be changing diapers for the next 27 years. You'd go, what? Uh, you're going to have to nurse this baby for the next 30 years. They're going to be a baby for a long time. They're just not going to grow up. Paul says, that is a problem. He's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's talking to the church at 33 Staniels Road, and says, that is a problem if you're not growing up. Where are you at? He's talking about carnal Christians. I'll have to read the scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. You have been Christians a long time now, and you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things a beginner must learn about scriptures. You are like babies who drank only milk and cannot eat solid food. And the person who is living on milk isn't very far along in the Christian life and doesn't know much about doing what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who have trained themselves to recognize the difference between right and wrong and then do what is right. I know I've used this story at least twice in my pastoral ministry. I don't know that I've used it here. True story, and it's what I want to finish with this morning. It was the Saturday night before the Imperial Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. And a young sailor told this story on himself. He said he and about a dozen of his buddies went into a church off base for a Bible study on that Saturday evening. And he said the leader of the group had them all sit around in a big circle. There were a lot in the circle. And as part of what the study was going on, the leader said, I want everybody to share with the whole group what one verse of Scripture is been the one most impactful one in your life would you just share it don't have to tell anything about it but just quote the scripture if you would and this guy said i panicked i had grown up as a little boy in sunday school and now here i am in the navy and i couldn't have a single verse come to my mind he said fortunately the leader had it start on the other side from me and I had a lot of time to think but I still couldn't come up with any he said when it was about six guys away from me finally John 316 went through my mind but as fate would have it the guy who was sitting right to my right hand side quoted John 316 and he said I knew I couldn't do that one he said so when the leader looked at me and called my name he said I'm sorry 
I don't know any scripture. And he said, I was so defeated. Went back to my bunk that night, my berth in the, in the ship. And he said, at 7.10 the next morning, the alarms went off, the sirens went off, and we were called to battle stations. And as I came up above deck, I saw planes attacking and smoke and fire and devastation. He said, I grabbed my gun, and he doesn't say why, but he said that all I had in my own weapon were blanks. I did not have any live ammunition in my gun. And he said, it took me a while before I realized that I was just firing blanks at the enemy. He said, as I stood there that morning, it was as though the Lord spoke to me and said, it's just like your own life, isn't it? You've been firing blanks your whole life. You're not filled with my spirit. You have nothing to base your life on. And he said, at that point, I determined that my life was going to be different from that day forward. And I would know God's word. I would live the way he wants me to live. And I wasn't going to be a, his word, I love it, a carnal Christian any longer. Father, I would pray that that might be the prayer of all of our hearts, that you would awaken us, or Lord, reawaken us to all that you are and all that you would have us to be. Lord, I pray that you would come upon this church as we're in this time of transition and help us, Lord, to be drawing ever, ever closer to you and that, Lord, you would draw ever closer to us that we would not be known as carnal Christians, as worldly Christians, as those who have no hope, those who have no, no desire to be closer to you day in and day out. But Lord, we would ever be want, wanting to be in your presence more powerfully. Lord, now I ask your hand be upon each and every member of this church whether they are here in this sanctuary right now or they're at home listening to us. That, Father, you would awaken us to your presence and we would move forward in victory. I pray now, Lord, your blessing as we go from here in Christ's name. Amen.